Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. We have a, a number of issues we're going to be covering. In the second half of the show, we're going to be interviewing our attorney out of our office in Miami to talk about uh, some of the real important cases that we're handling in that part of the country that I know you'll find very interesting, as well as uh, a major issue that could very well be decided by the Supreme Court. Uh, but first, I'd like to bring on one of our uh, expert attorneys who's not only an attorney, but also has a degree in, in medicine, um, Dave Peters, uh, Dr. Dave Peters, should I say. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Brad. Now, it's always good to be back. Yeah, you're our staff attorney in Michigan, out of the, the Detroit area, um, but you also have uh, some interesting background uh, as well with regarding your own uh, uh, you know, expertise, et cetera. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but uh, there's some, some good news you have to report, I understand. What's the good news? I, uh, in addition to Christ <laughs> being born, uh, there's some other good news. Well, I don't bring as good a news as that, uh, because that is the good news, Brad. He is risen indeed. But I do bring good news. We won. We won one of our cases, and we saved a bunch of lives of Christians. It's really a beautiful thing. We... Uh, filed a case against, uh, let's see, St. Mercy Hospital in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And this is a branch of Trinity Health, which is the seventh largest healthcare system in the United States. Uh, we sued them over the vaccine mandate that had been posed on transplant patients. Now, these are patients that need an organ to live. They are going to die unless they get an organ. And the the state, or rather the hospitals, have decided that you must get the COVID vaccine or we will not provide medical treatment. You will not get the organ unless you get uh, the drugs we tell you to take. So we filed a 30-page complaint against uh, Mercy Hospital, and they responded, get this, with a 300-page motion. 300 pages. That doesn't even include... The exhibits. That just includes the the stuff they wrote. So it went on and on and on. And uh, we uh, kind of ignored it uh, because uh, our intention was always to file an amend, amended complaint. We wanted to see what they had to say first and then file an amended complaint. So we did that. Uh, we filed the amended complaint. Uh, ran up to about 50 pages, which is pretty long for a complaint. Um, and five days later... They called us, and actually they sent us an email and said, hey, um, we're, we're, we're going to remove the vaccine mandate and just let everybody get back on the transport list. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. So <laughs> they're, allowing, they're allowing people not to, be, not to die because of their faith. Now, was this a complete victory? It, it was a complete victory for us. Now, the clients still have a damages claim if they want to pursue it. Um, we, they probably don't. These are good, solid Christian women. And, and I am confident they're going to say, hey, you know, settle quickly with your adversary. Uh, let's just get rid of it and get the surgery. And 
I, I, I don't have an answer from them yet on that, whether they're going to continue the case. But we know that we will not continue the case. We are in this case for the big picture to get a declaratory relief. It's called declaratory relief. It's, it's, we're asking a judge to say, hey, judge, this is baloney. These people are being denied their rights. Put them back on the transplant list. And, and then, of course, there's a damages claim that goes along with that. But at Pacific Justice, we, we do not have uh, the manpower to pursue all these damages claims. So we will be finding someone to, to bring in to, to help with that. But the important thing is we're looking at, at, at Pacific Justice. We're a, we're a, a private, um, uh, a public interest firm. And, and so we're interested in changing the law and changing practice. And we did it in this case, Brad. Yeah. We got this. We got them to switch it. We got the seventh largest healthcare system in the country to switch their policy. And, you know, the dominoes are starting to fall. Yeah. No, that's very significant. And I just want to let people know that we do often do seek damages, um, but uh, we also have affiliate attorneys, volunteer attorneys. And uh, we'll often bring them in to make sure that full justice is done. Uh, that's a part of the, the big picture. As far as our staff attorneys, uh, we don't always have them do damages. If we may have some other people brought in uh, to make sure that damages are, uh, you know, go forth. Because, you know, the bottom line is, you know, uh, you know my, in my opinion, Dave, is that, uh, you know, a lot of these hospitals, yeah, they may, you know, are, are people on the other side, they may learn their lesson. But oftentimes they don't fully learn their lesson unless they understand that there's a price that they pay when they blatantly, cold-heartedly uh, put people's lives at risk, which is what this hospital did. So I hope they do go after them. Uh, I mean, it's up to the client. We don't try to persuade our client one way or the other. But I hope they do go after them, and I hope we hit them with lots of damages at the end of the day. I hope, I hope that uh, that's what happens. But, you know... They, I have seen this before where sometimes clients will say, look, no, I just feel like I'm at peace with this. And, and if that's the case, then, then fine. And, and we, we totally respect that. And, uh, and I think that's real important that we always put our clients first in what they want to do. But make, make no mistake. Absolutely. I mean, people should make no mistake. We at PJI, we do play hardball if our clients want us to and if that's what justice demands. Uh, and we, uh, we've done that a, a number of times and have gotten damages. Now, what, what other cases have you filed yes involving this issue. This isn't the only one uh, we're dealing with no. people on medical death row, is it? No, I've got, uh, uh, I, I worked with uh, other um, public service firms and uh, I, I'm about the only one who, who uh, how do I put it, who, who was willing to stick his neck out and, and file these cases. Um, so I've been getting a lot of these. I've got over 60 of these cases to file. I could probably file four or five total at a time. So we really have to husband our resources. We, we're, we're looking at saving lives. Right. That's the bottom line here. Right. And so, you know, um, whether it's you or bringing in affiliates, bottom line, we're committed to making sure that every one of these people who are in medical death row are getting the protection intervention. And you were the one that stepped up. And I'm glad you pointed that out because that's a real hallmark, hallmark of Pacific Justice Institute is to try to do everything we can to make sure that no one's left on the side of the road, especially when it comes to people whose lives are literally hanging in the balance. 
Did you know that PJI preserves students' rights to share their faith and protects them from indoctrination? We also provide free resources to help promote evangelism within the public schools and educational resources to give parents legal advice for choosing an alternative to public education. Keep current on the educational landscape by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Now, yeah. I want to tell you, so so the cases I filed, I filed a case against the University of Michigan. Um, we filed a case against, uh, oh, and, and that hearing, actually, we had a hearing on that case last week uh, as well. It was in the, uh, really cool, it was in the Michigan Supreme Court building. And uh, we had about 30 people show up, and I think it really, really made an impact on the judge uh, because we filled the entire half of that courtroom and, uh, you know, 30 people standing outside your courtroom while you're trying to rule and they're praying um, <laughs> loudly enough for the court to hear. Uh, the judge knew what was going on and, and he was very, you know, of course, they're elected in Michigan, so he was political as well. But he understood what was going on. And he was very, very sympathetic. Uh, I think what he's going to do in that case is he's going to see in Michigan, we have a weird thing where you have to go to the court of claims in order to file a case before you go to federal court. So he's going to send us to federal court on the federal claims, and we're going to stay in the state court on the constitutional claims. Um, and, and there's a bunch of legal issues that we're dealing with, uh, which would be probably boring for your audience, things like federal preemption. Uh, does the Federal Transplant Act preempt state law? Um, we say it doesn't. They say it does. So we'll deal with that. But... Um, uh, we also had a case, we, we filed cases against Lehigh Valley, uh, but we didn't actually file it. We prepared it. We were ready to file. And we also prepared a case against the University of Pennsylvania, ready to file. Both of these clients, now, we're not just, you know, lawyers for these clients. Um, we have dug very deeply to find um, alternatives for them. So, for example, there are transplant facilities uh, that don't require the vaccine. Yeah, in fact, in, fact, that list. in fact, I've heard that most uh, facilities do not require the vaccine. It's the minority that are going rogue and radical and saying you have to be vaxxed in order to have a life-critically needed organ transplant, right? The minority, but who is in the minority? Uh, let me tell you who, who we've got. We've got University of Michigan, um, Dartmouth College, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic. Wow. Um, and uh, oh, and the University of Virginia, another case. So what do all those medical associations have in common? They're all, listen carefully, they're all heavily funded by Pfizer. And they're all beholden to the CDC for their funding. Now, the smaller hospitals like Trinity Health, Mercy Hospital, they're much more willing to fold because they don't have money at stake. So it's about money in part. So, I mean, these are some big names. Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, uh, you know, University of Michigan. I mean, these are uh, University of Virginia. These are big, big, um, big names. So, you know, you, these centers are refusing Christians medical treatment if they don't get the vaccine. And it just so happens that they have um, a definite financial interest linked with Pfizer, who produces the vaccine against the COVID-19. 
uh, one of the vaccines, and also the CDC, which has been a very radical, extreme, pro-big pharma uh, throughout this whole process. Dave, I appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, you're a fantastic part of our team, a very important part of our team. God bless you. Keep up the great work, and uh, thank you for this, this, these very important updates. And congratulations, and praise God for that fantastic victory that you, uh, you talked about earlier. Um, I know there'll be more to come. Thank you. All victory goes to the Lord. Thank you. Did you know that PJI's Church Finds Its Voice initiative is a huge success and coming alongside pastors to encourage them to get all their congregants registered to vote and then to vote biblically in every election for candidates that share the Christian worldview and commit to serve their constituents with that mindset. We communicate regularly with over 3,000 pastors and we do it all free of charge. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Uh, we have uh, so many cases that we're handling at PJI, and I just want to thank the many of you out there who um, make a point to keep up with our cases. If you'd like to keep up with our cases and you're not receiving the case updates right now, just go to our website pji.org and sign up to get our Legal Insider Newsletter. It keeps you updated with a lot of what's going on. I'd say, you know, we have 117 cases in active litigation. We have many more that we're about to file across the country, uh, especially coming into 2023. And the reality is most of these cases you're not going to hear about in the news. Uh, like the ones we talked about in the first half of the show, that big victory wasn't reported on by mainline media, but it was a very big victory. So if you want to keep up with these cases, you want to keep also pray for our work, uh, it's so important to us. Go to our website, pji.org, and download that free newsletter. We have other great resources there as well and other ways you can become a part of the PJI team. Uh, but right now I want to talk about our attorney in Miami, Florida, and what he's doing to defend our freedoms and liberties that's a very active office. Welcome to the show, Attorney Alexander Bumbu. Thank you for having me on, Brad. It's great to be back. No, it's great to have you, Alexander. You're getting so much done, and you're so bold, and I really appreciate uh, what you're doing uh, to really make a difference. Uh, without a doubt, uh, that's a very active office there in Miami. You're not just serving the Miami area. You're serving all of, of Florida, aren't you? Correct. Yeah, I know you were in Orlando not that long ago, and uh, you had me on a conference call meeting with some, some leaders in Florida to talk about some very important policy issues. We can't get into the details at this point, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting to see the kind of impact you're making both in the court as well as out of the court, working with people who want to make a difference, whether it's in Miami or Orlando or elsewhere. So thank you for the work you're doing, and I really appreciate that. Um, so you've been really busy, haven't you? Yes, I have. And also the state of Florida has been quite busy. So today we're going to talk about three things. First, an update in one of my cases. Second, Governor DeSantis is seeking a criminal investigation into the pharmaceutical companies who manufacture the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. And third, I want to go into an update to the legal challenge to Florida's near-total ban on abortion after 15 weeks gestation. 
Okay, that's <laughs> we got some great stuff to cover. Uh, let's start with the First Amendment case update. Uh, so, uh, what's the case update? Just yesterday, we defeated a motion to dismiss in a First Amendment case, and this is this case is the one where I'm trying to vindicate the First Amendment rights of a former Miami-Dade County employee uh, who was suspended and then fired because of his religious speech and beliefs. The uh, county filed a motion to dismiss. I responded with a very forceful response in opposition. And yesterday afternoon, the county, in a two-sentence filing, said that my response was, quote, well taken, end quote, and they withdrew their motion to dismiss. Fantastic. That's great. That's a, a wonderful success there. Uh, I know the uh, Christian employee at issue is probably very happy about that. Um, so uh, can you remind us what actually happened in this case? Sure. So this case is about freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and also freedom of the press. Miami-Dade County suspended and then fired a Christian employee because of his religious speech and beliefs. And on his own time and dime, he wrote an opinion piece that was critical of left-wing sexual and gender ideologies and also of the Equality Act. He got suspended without pay for three days for this article. And he was also ordered to undergo extra, quote, diversity training, end quote, as punishment. But he refused to undergo this extra diversity training because we believe it would have required him to apologize for his views, to affirm tenets of transgenderism, and also to refer to people who identify as transgender by their so-called preferred pronouns instead of by the pronouns which match their biological sex. And that is, type, that is speech that he has religious objections to as a Christian. And for invoking his uh, right as a public employee to not be compelled to speak this stuff, he was fired. Um, you know, I, I think this is uh, very alarming because uh, we're talking about someone who on their own time, uh, on their own dime, you know, they went and expressed their viewpoint about a controversial bill at the Equality Act. Half the Senate's not in favor of it. You have half of them favor in favor of it. Half of them are not. Um, is it? Are you somehow a, a bigot to be treated like a second-class citizen if you're on one side of the aisle or, or the other? Is that is that how we treat our people in our society? They have to be silent if you have a, a conservative worldview or a biblical worldview or a view uh, held by half the country. Uh, you know, this is is very telling of the kind of uh, tyranny that we're seeing across the country and requiring them to participate and to, to use pronouns that affirm something he doesn't believe in. Uh, you know, they could have accommodated him differently on this, couldn't they? He, they could have said, uh, okay, well then just don't, just don't use any pronouns, use the person's name or, you know, or just avoid using names and pronouns. They weren't accepting that. They, he had to bow the knee to this agenda, didn't he? Yes, and he paid the price. Yeah, he wasn't just suspended, he was also fired. Correct. He was also fired. 
Uh, you also, I also want to get an update, if I can, from you, Alexander, about the legal challenge of Florida's near-total 15-week abortion ban uh, protecting preborn babies. Uh, what's going on? I understand Planned Parenthood filed a lawsuit to challenge it. What's the update? Yes. So earlier this year, Governor DeSantis signed a bill into law that prohibits abortions after 15 weeks gestation, uh, which is subject to certain exceptions for maternal health and for fatal fetal abnormalities. Planned Parenthood is challenging this law in state court, claiming that it violates the privacy clause of the Florida Constitution. And this case is currently before the Florida Supreme Court. Uh, however, the proceedings are not at a stage yet where the Florida Supreme Court must decide the constitutional question. The Florida Supreme Court is only being asked to stop the enforcement of this law while the challenge to it goes on in the lower courts. This is something that, that is called the injunction stage. I'm not going to delve into that. Suffice it to say, um, all they have to do is rule on whether the law can be enforced while it is being challenged. However, um, it, it could decide to, it could decide to um, decide the constitutional question even at this stage if it wanted to, although it's not required. Planned Parenthood is suing under the privacy clause of the Florida Constitution. Unlike the U.S. Constitution, the Florida Constitution contains an explicit right to privacy. It was added to the Florida Constitution in 1980, but in 1989, the Florida Supreme Court held that the privacy clause includes a right to abortion. Now, the, the privacy clause doesn't say anything, though, about abortion. It just says people are entitled like, to a right to privacy, right? Yes, so... It has nothing to say about abortion. Basically, it's two sentences long. It says, quote, every natural person has the right to be let alone and free from governmental intrusion into the person's private life, except as otherwise provided herein. This section shall not be construed to limit the public's right of access to public records and meetings as provided by law. So it, has nothing, it does not contain abortion. As a matter of fact, as the state argues, uh, the state is arguing that the privacy clause when it was added to the Florida Constitution in 1980, it's, it was in response to gross governmental snooping into people's documents, uh, communications, and homes during the 1960s and 70s. They're saying that the privacy clause is limited to protecting people's uh, informational privacy over their documents. Yeah. Okay. So there's a good history here to show what the original intent was of this uh, privacy amendment to the Florida Constitution. It's not like it's sort of out there and everyone has to speculate. There was a, a whole history, a trail showing what it was for, what the purpose of it was, even the language of it itself, as you pointed out. So nonetheless, though, in 1989, the Florida Supreme Court um, decided to go ahead and declare that this protects abortion or not, or what, what happened? What, what exactly happened? Yes, yeah, so uh, that's a case called Inray TW. The Florida Supreme Court uh, ruled that the privacy clause includes a right to an abortion, and they modeled it very much after Roe v. Wade, which the overturning of Roe v. Wade in Dobbs v. Jackson, a women's, in Dobbs, 
not only did it overturn Roe v. Wade, but it also knocked out the foundation for many state Supreme Court rulings that hold that held that their respective state constitutions respected or included a right to abortion. So that's a double whammy for the uh, a double whammy for the uh, pro-abortion movement. Um, so this was a case in RTW and involved a minor. Florida Supreme Court says there is a, a right to an abortion in the privacy clause. You know, if the amendment to uh, the state constitution said something about abortion, a woman has a right to, you know, have an abortion, kill her baby, you know, whatever. But if it said it explicitly, I, I would see a real problem. And I think that, uh, you know, even justices that, that share our convictions would have a difficult time because they want to be true and honest to what the law says, what the Constitution says. But here, uh, I think that these justices are going to do like the justices did on the Supreme Court and say, we need to go back to original intent. We need to respect the law. We should not be uh, dictators of the law. I think we're going to have a positive outcome at the end of the day, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. But thank you for the work that you're doing there, uh, Alexander, in, in Florida. Um, what you're doing is going to have a big impact, I know, on the rest of the country as these cases and matters unfold. Keep up the great work. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense all free of charge at pji.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.